Hello and welcome to The Rewriters, a celebration of people who have shirked convention, expectation and even their own limitation to rewrite their story on their terms. Each episode we'll dig into the inspired and very real life stories of people who have done just that, rewritten their story. I'm a nosy practical optimist too, so expect all of the nitty gritty details. If you're an ambitious seeker craving a different kind of lifestyle, career or business, but have felt held back by your own or other people's beliefs about what's possible or permissible, The Rewriters is for you. Hello and welcome to the episode. I'm Monique Shaw, aka The Rewriters, founder of Rewrite and your host. I'm a coach, writer and brand storyteller and my mission is to help people to rewrite their stories and create lives, careers and brands they love. This is one of my solo episodes so you'll just be hearing from me today as I talk about one of my favourite special interest areas. I hope you're doing really well wherever you are right now. Here in London and across the UK, we're currently in our third lockdown, I think. I'm losing count. And schools have shut again. And once again, working families are navigating careers, schooling, relationships, parenting, and everything else in between, all concurrently. And it's not only possible. My heart goes out to everyone dealing with the relentlessness of these demands, with or without children. Thinking about how people are managing their careers and their businesses really got me thinking about time. I think about time a lot, actually. It's one of my favorite topics. It's the one thing that we all want more of, and it's the one thing that we can't get more of because time is finite. Time spent is time gone. In this episode, I want to explore what I see as our most valuable currency and resource, our time. And I want to share some of the ways that I can serve and maximize mine. I am a bit of a time management ninja, and over the next half an hour or so, you're going to hear about micro deadlines, peak periods, not eating your cake in one sitting, and why you should be auditing and chunking up your diary. My hope is that if you take just one thing away from this episode that helps you to conserve your time or maximize it in a way that is more productive or fulfilling for you, then it will have served its purpose. It does come with a little bit of a health warning though. I, personally speaking, had or sometimes do have still a massive tendency towards overwork. There's always something else I could work on before I finish for the day. I couldn't possibly leave people working on something and not be there. What if they needed me? Even now, I do still find it quite difficult to do nothing with inverted commas. So before we dive into the episode, I just want to preface it by saying that I don't want to share tools to maximize your productivity so you can do more and burn yourself out. I want you to have an honest and respectful relationship with your time and spend it as intentionally as you can, but to also have a whole lot of grace and calm around it as much as possible. As with everything that I do and and preach, aim for something, but give yourself a bit of wiggle room. Be compassionate with yourself, but do be honest with yourself as well. As always, if you enjoy the episode, please rate and review it, share it with your mates, share it on social, hashtag the rewriters pod. And if you want to find out more about me and the work that I do, check out the show notes or give me a follow on Instagram at the rewriters. That's at the underscore rewriters. Now let's get on with the episode. Before we get into the practical elements of this episode, the hows and the tools of conserving and maximizing time, I wanted to introduce you first to a couple of concepts that are really central to the way that I think about time. So one of the most important principles for me when it comes to time is this, time is currency, spend it wisely. 
Time is currency. Giving something or someone your time is a huge investment. If you work, you are exchanging your time and your skills, etc., many other things, but you are always exchanging your time for money. If you volunteer, you're investing your time, you're giving them your time for free. That's a huge act of generosity. If you are a parent, you invest a huge amount of time, often for very little thanks and low, if any, financial reward. Um, But time is currency. At any point, at any given moment, you are spending time. You are giving time. It is currency. You spend it, you exchange it, you invest it, ideally for a return. Another really important principle for me when it comes to time is that time is also a success metric. It's a measure of success. This is a really important principle for me. Time is a massive success metric personally. It's one of the big factors for me in starting my own business. I really wanted to have more time and I wanted to have more choice over how I invested that time. That time back and that time freedom is priceless to me. In fact, there are a gazillion books out there at the moment about passive income. And the main principle behind that, how to make money while you sleep, make money while you're lying on a beach, etc. It's about time. It's about making money, sure, but it's about not sacrificing your time. It's about having time freedom. So for me, I want to create a life that was about enjoying the right now, not one that I spent the majority of my time in tomorrow's life or a life in how many years down the track when I could draw down on my time investment, retirement, reaching the top of the ladder, whatever goal it was I was working towards. I wanted to be able to enjoy my present moments. And to that end, I needed to have more control and agency over my time. Time is a success metric. It is one of my number one success metrics. So time is currency and time is a success metric. So now that I'm working for myself and I have more control over this valuable resource, this time, that's sorted, right? That's what I wanted. More control over our time, the more control we have, the better. Not quite. It is just as easy for someone who is self-employed as it is for someone who is employed to find their time evaporating. So as a self-employed person, I do have control over what types of people I work with and what types of projects I work on and how I structure my days and my weeks. And I'm pretty ruthless with that. I'm very considered. But if I'm not mindful of how I'm spending my minutes and my hours, my time is going to hemorrhage just as it would if I was in a job where endless meetings, coffee catch-ups, last minute favors, etc., were snaffling up my hours and leaving me doing my actual work or a lot of my actual work in the evenings, late in the day, and on my weekends. What's my point? You need focus. Time without focus or presence is time wasted. That's not to demonize those moments, going back to my health warning, when you do just want to numb out watching Netflix, scroll through Instagram, whatever. But when you find you are losing many, many, many hours to passive activity, you're not quite sure where the time is going, you probably don't have a time problem. You have a focus presence and attention problem. If you feel like you don't have enough time, you don't necessarily need more hours in the day. What you need is more focus in the hours. Time without focus or presence equals time wasted. One of the first exercises I do with my coaching clients is the life pie. And if you've got no idea what I'm talking about, go back and listen to episode three, the DIY career rewrite, where I talk about the life pie and I actually share a link to the tools in the show notes for that episode. But basically what the life pie does is it shows you how you're spending your time, energy and focus across all of the different areas of your life 
currently and then how you'd like to be spending it ideally and then taking those two points how you're currently spending it and how you how you would ideally like to be spending it and working out how to close the gap between those two points the current and the ideal but what a lot of my clients will find is that a disproportionate amount of their time is spent at work or doing work I was working with a client recently, however, who was deeply unhappy with work, and yet the time investment was really reasonable and balanced. They were doing sensible hours. Their work wasn't eating into their evenings or weekends. The problem was that they weren't enjoying the work that they were doing, and they struggled to get to a state where they could really focus and get into flow because they were working against their true nature. They were swimming against their slipstream. What one of the knock-on effects of that was, was although they weren't spending extra time at work, the dissatisfaction with work was bleeding into their time outside of work as well. So you can be there, you can be at work, you can be doing something, you can give your time, but it's wasted if you're not giving it your focus and attention too. It's empty calories. So if you give something your time plus your focus, not only do you maximize your time investment and accelerate your impact, great, but you also maximize your enjoyment. So there are a couple of things to unpack there. But firstly, what I want to say is this isn't an episode about working out if you're in the wrong job. It may be that you are in the wrong job or you are doing work that isn't playing to your strengths, is going against your true nature and is having you swim against your slipstream. So if that's the case, that needs to be addressed before you can really worry about how to maximize your time or conserve your time. I'm not going to talk about that at length now, but I just wanted to make that point. Okay, so going back to the time and focus piece, there are two things to unpack and question here. Do you really have a time problem? Or do you have a focus problem? If it is really a time problem, then the tips that I'll share around conserving your time will help. But if it's a focus problem, then the tips I have for you around maximizing are what you're going to be looking out for. I want to be straight with you as well, because underpinning our time and our focus problems are often issues around worthiness, perfectionism, anxiety, poor boundaries, people pleasing, etc. And no podcast episode is going to heal the big stuff. So I would encourage you to be really honest with yourself as well. Is this a lack of time and focus? Is this lack of time and focus a symptom of a greater challenge? And if it is, make sure you're doing some work there as well, either with the right support externally or some honest and self-compassionate self-inquiry. Change is a doing word. So the tips that I share, you will actually have to try them out, right? You're going to have to experiment, get out of your head and into the activity, get into the doing. Okay, let's get started maximizing your time. Now let's assume that you have to spend your time doing this thing. This isn't a case of let's claw the time back then, i.e. conserving our time. This is a case of maximizing the time investment that we have to make. So first let me say this, if you're going to be there, you might as well be there. If you have to do it, you might as well do it. A lot of time and energy is wasted rationalizing, bargaining, procrastinating, and then stressing out about the rationalizing and the bargaining and procrastinating. And I'm not going to feed you any BS here. There is no magic pill. You have to do. I believe that the talk about mindset has a lot to answer for because a lot of people wait for the right mindset and mood. You don't need the right mindset. You need to just get on with it. Start. Start first. The mindset will come. It's like confidence and courage. 
People often think that you have to be confident before you can be courageous, but actually it's the other way around. You have to be courageous. You have to take the step. You have to do the doing. And then the confidence comes. It's a misnomer to think it's the other way around. And it's the same with maximizing your time. You've just got to do the doing. Don't wait for the mood to feel right. So maximizing time 101, get out of your own way. Stop thinking about it and just do it. Now, I rarely wait for myself to feel like doing a particular piece of work. I just start. And this is a learned technique. It's not something I was innately able to do. And I think it's really important for me to underline that. I wasn't born able to just get on with doing work. In fact, (laughs) I was absolutely lastminute.com all through school, all through uni. I'm very familiar with that burning need to clean your cupboards at 4 p.m. the day before an assignment is due that you haven't started yet. And then watching the sunrise as you bash through your essay, swearing that you'll never do it again swearing that you'll start months before the deadline and never actually doing it, even sometimes believing that you might, but never actually doing it. I had to learn the skill of getting out of my own way. And I did it by doing, not by thinking. I developed this skill or muscle when I worked as a bid strategist and writer for a very busy international pursuits team many years ago. And in that role, I had to prepare very compelling and technical content and try to make it distinctive and also include the voices of a million stakeholders and the needs of a handful of decision-making clients and synthesize it all, create reams of beautiful copy in a tight deadline whilst working in very loud, very busy and very pressurized project rooms. I didn't have the time or the luxury to wait for inspiration, calm, beautiful surroundings, the right mood, the right lighting. The deadline did not care about my creative process, the fact that the stars had to align perfectly. They needed the copy and they needed it now. So get on with it. I had to get out of my own way and get on with it. And it was bloody uncomfortable and stressful and also probably one of, if not the best skills I have ever learned professionally. I'm really grateful for it. Getting out of your own way means stop waiting for perfect conditions. Stop using imperfect conditions as an excuse not to start. So that's all well and good for me to say that. It's probably quite irritating for some people to hear that as well. But how do you actually get out of your own way and start? Well, the tool that I use or the technique that I use is micro deadlines. So the reason I was able to bash out that copy in those conditions was because I had no choice. I had a deadline. So now I give myself micro deadlines. Deadlines are great. Some people are better under pressure. Some people work better really well under pressure and yet they don't have a deadline and so they don't get stuff done. So apply one, apply that pressure of a deadline. It's also a relief to see the finish line. So the deadline is that end point. You don't have to commit to doing the thing for an inordinate amount of time. You just have to commit to doing the thing until the end of your micro deadline, until your micro deadline is up. So let me talk you through what that can look like. The other day I had 20 minutes until I had to leave to pick up my little boy from nursery or daycare if you're in Australia and the US. And I needed five minutes to get my shoes and my coat on, find my mask, get my keys, etc. And that left me about 15 minutes of work time. And I could have just stopped then, but I committed to working on a piece of work for 15 minutes. It was a micro deadline. The work was a piece of copy for a campaign I'm working on. And I just sat down and I bashed it out. It's absolutely not perfect. It's far from perfect, but it is much easier to 
edit, rewrite and perfect a draft than it is to do it to a blank piece of paper. So I broke the back of this campaign copy in 15 minutes. My micro deadline was 15 minutes. Time yourself. If I'm super time poor, I will literally write myself to-do lists with time amounts. So for example, 30 minutes prep for interview, one hour work on campaign. And I will use the stopwatch on my iPhone, 30 minutes, go. And I have to sit there and just get on with it. And I can do it because I've trained myself to do it. But if you're just starting, maybe start with a 15 minute micro deadline. That task that you're avoiding, that frog that you don't wanna eat, Commit to doing it for 15 minutes. If you can't do something for 15 minutes, then I'm afraid I don't think this podcast episode is going to help you. But seriously, show up for 15 minutes, just start. And at the end of the 15 minutes, stop if you want, but maybe you won't want to stop. Whether you stop or you continue, you've started. And that's the most important thing. You've broken the back on the task. My next tip for maximizing time, don't try to eat the whole cake in one sitting. There are different types of activities and different ways of working on those activities. And I actually wrote an article last year about how I'd learned to tackle the blank page. And it was actually in those high stress project rooms that I learned to do that. Getting out of my own way was one piece, but then not trying to eat the whole cake in one sitting without taking a breath was the other piece. I chunked it up. I cut it into slices into four different steps. This is what helps me to bleed the blank page. And it's an approach that I use all the time and can be applied beyond writing as well. I'm going to give the example with writing because so many of us are writers. Uh, if we have jobs that include computers, writing emails, anything at all, we're having to do some form of writing, whether it's a report, a project plan, a presentation, a lot of writing is done in the majority of our professional lives. So rather than starting a piece of writing with writing, my writing step is actually my third step. So step one is research, step two is planning, step three is writing and writing with absolute abandon and step four is the edit. Now these steps can take days or weeks or just hours or even, you know, 10 minutes, quick 10 minute research, map out a plan in five minutes and then start writing. But they're different types of activities requiring a different way of approaching it. So you can eat your cake one piece at a time. So I'll talk you through it really briefly, but do check out the article, How I Beat the Blank Page in Four Steps. It's on the blog section of my website, rewriterewrite.com, and I'll link to it in the show notes as well. So step one, research. What's the thing you need to do? Have you got enough info to hand in order to start? Is your lack of information preventing you from starting? Spend some time researching. And if you're one of those people who can't stop researching, i.e. it's a procrastination technique, then you need to time limit your research and be ruthless with yourself on that. Stop the research phase when you reach that time limit and you can always go back and do some more research later. Step two, plan. Sketch out your ideas, post-it notes, scribbles, mind maps, whatever. Be messy, work it out, and then refine it down. Step three, write. Take your research, take your planning, and write with that abandon. You are not editing yet, you're just writing. So just get it all out, get it all out onto the page. And then step four, edit. Now you can sit back and review what you've done and edit it, identify any needs for additional research or additional planning, repeat until complete. You're not trying to eat the whole cake at once. You're breaking it up into manageable tasks. 
If you're a perfectionist and there is no such thing as complete in your vocabulary, accept that nothing is ever truly finished. Get a peer review and draw a line under it. The more you experiment with how safe and okay it will be to put something into the world that isn't perfect by your definition, the more you will be able to overcome your perfectionism and its stifling grip on your creativity, productivity and time. My next tip is a segue into conserving your time. It's where maximizing time and conserving time meets. Protecting your peak period. Do you do your best work in the morning? Do you get inspired in the afternoon? Are you a night owl? What's your rhythm? Become aware of it. And where do you do your best work as well? When and where? When are you at your best? When are you at your peak? Know when you are at your peak. Protecting your peak period is one of my number one non-negotiables. My peak period is the start of the day and that peak period is mine. I don't give it to anyone, not even my clients if I can avoid it. And there are exceptions, of course, but I protect it pretty vigilantly because I can get a day's work done in two hours if I have focused and protected mornings. So knowing your peak period and protecting your peak period is absolutely a way to drastically maximize your time. If you don't know your peak period, find out, experiment. And if you can't protect it because you don't have that level of autonomy in your work or, or because of your life situation, you know, the reality for people that have young children or caring responsibilities or, you know, whatever, it may mean that you can't always protect it. If you can't protect it, understand why and what's stopping you and could you adjust or change anything in order to protect it or at least protect it two or three times a week. Try to conserve that little golden chunk of time and apply it to yourself and your biggest priorities and most importantly projects that maximize your time. Okay let's move on to some other ways to conserve your time. The starting point for any change or shift is knowing where you are. Being radically honest with where you are right now. How are you spending your time right now? Where is it going? So my next tip or tool is audit your diary. I am ruthless with my diary. If you haven't already listened to the very first episode of this podcast, go back and listen to it. I talk about non-negotiables and helpfulness quotas. And those two things very much dictate what my diary looks like. When I returned to work full-time after maternity leave, my little boy was one and I was responsible for nursery drop-off. My husband did pick up and I had no idea how I was going to manage all of the things I used to do when a 50, 60 hour week was standard, more if there was a big deadline. And so I had to get a handle on my current state. I audited my diary. I color coded absolutely everything in there and I watched. I didn't make any changes initially. I just observed how I was spending my time. And what I discovered was that half of the time was spent doing stuff that wasn't related to my actual job. Voluntary work projects and networks, coffees, hours of unexplained lost time, time that I just couldn't account for. And so by getting rid of those activities or at least substantially reducing them and being a lot more selective, I was able to halve my hours and still do my day job. And I did it successfully. I redesigned my diary to conserve and maximize my time. And I culled anything that was low priority 
I absolutely protected my peak period for sure, for pure work, for focus and for flow. I was able to achieve a day's work in an hour or two if I did it in my peak productive period. And by completely redesigning my diary, I mean, I did go on to leave my job anyway, eventually, but I wasn't overworked. I was doing a lot of travel, but in terms of managing my days, I was doing pretty healthy weeks and I was making an impact because I was using my time very, very carefully and being very ruthless about what was allowed in my diary. So my next tip is chunk up your diary. One of the easiest ways for time to evaporate is when there is no plan. Without some kind of plan, you are limiting your ability to focus and to be intentional with your time. And I'm not talking about to-do lists every day, although I do have to-do lists each day. I'm talking more macro than that. So chunk up your diary and do different activities, different projects, different initiatives on different days. And when it's your admin day, do admin. And when it's your content development day, do content. Don't leave it to make it up as you go along. Focus, don't flip-flop. Depending on the type of work that you do, that might not be possible entirely, but perhaps you've got multiple projects that you're working on and you are able to make Mondays, you know, days for project X and Tuesdays are when you're in the office and Wednesdays are when you're working from home and and you do all of your calls or, or whatever, but trying to chunk it up so you know where you are and you have a plan. So I roughly work a 24, 25 hour week. And last year I launched my business. I have a bells and whistles website, which I update regularly. I publish a weekly newsletter. I launched this podcast, several courses, a group coaching program. I'm also active on social media. I run the operations and accounts for my business. I do have an accountant, but I do my profit and loss myself and manage all of that. Uh, I'm also part of several accountability groups and networks. And on top of all of that, of course, I do my work with my clients, both one-to-one and in my groups. And I have a small person. I do drop off and pick up every day. I meditate twice a day. I walk my dogs every day. I work a 24, 25 hour week because I know how to chunk up my diary and because I protect my peak period and I get out of my own way. I spend my time doing. I'm not saying that to push a, a superwoman myth because I think that's really unhelpful and also unhealthy. But I'm saying that to say that you can achieve a lot in a small amount of time if you cull the crap, cull the fat in your diary, cull the wasted hours and just hone in on making, you know, if you if you make 20 hours of your working week, razor sharp, super watertight, you will be able to achieve a whole lot more than you would with a flabby 45 hour week. Many years ago, I worked with this powerhouse of a woman and her ability to produce was insane. She worked in about three different countries concurrently at any given time, led multiple projects and opportunities, and she made a big impact on all of them. She was across everything. It was actually unbelievable. And I asked her once how she did it. And her answer was really simple, but a real game changer for me. She worked on one project and one thing at a time. She chunked things up. So project A, for example, she'd sit down and she'd bash through all the things she needed to do for that project. And then she'd put it down and she'd be done with it. And she'd move on to project B and do the things that she needed to do for project B. And she didn't do a little bit of project A and then some of B and then back to A and maybe throw in a little bit of project C for good measure. She was single-minded and focused and it was very efficient and impactful. 
So I've adopted this approach and evolved it to suit me. And I would encourage you to always do that. If you're receiving information from any source, always make sure that you're adapting it and evolving it to work for you because what works for this person didn't work for me entirely and what works for me might not work for you entirely. So I have multiple to-do lists, right? And I'll have them by subject and project. I do have a daily to-do list of all the things I really need to get done on any given day. And I'll often do that on a Sunday for each of the coming days. And I make them things that are really like that. I absolutely have to finish those things by that day. But I also have my ongoing, less time sensitive to-do lists, which I call my long lists. And I group them by project or area. I chunk them up. So if I find myself with time, I will pull out a long list and I will work through it focused on that particular project. I have also carved my diary up by days and I found this to be extremely efficient and effective. So for me, Mondays are for current projects. It's focused work time. I might be working on a campaign or a new course or a presentation. My Mondays are when I sit down and I do very focused work on whatever the big project of the moment is. Having Mondays dedicated to current projects is what means I can run my business, deliver all that I'm doing and find time to develop a podcast, for example. Then that plate is up and running and the next project gets incubated, developed and finalized on my Mondays. Tuesdays, it's newsletter in the morning. I write my newsletters live and I send one each week and they're not a pre-scheduled email sequence. They're what I'm learning, developing, reading, listening to up to that week. And it's important to me that it is live and it's current. And in the afternoon on a Tuesday, it's learning and development and networking. And that's when I'll dip into my resources folder, spend some time reading, doing a course. It's when I'll prioritize spending time with my contacts, my accountability buddy, etc. Having those relationships and continuing to develop my skills and my knowledge is really important. So I build it into my weekly work plan. Wednesdays, I don't work. I have Wednesdays off. Thursdays, I have 90 minutes of work time and that is ops, admin and business strategy. So I do my accounts weekly and on that day, I'll make sure my admin is done, my profit and loss is up to date, anything tax related is dealt with. And that's also the day that I'll use for any strategy review or business analysis. Fridays are marketing and content development. So that's when I work on my social media and schedule it for the week ahead. I also work on a weekend. So my days are really short. My Monday, Tuesday, Friday is like nine to three and I don't work on a Wednesday. My Thursdays are 90 minutes. So I do work on a Sunday as well. And that's a pleasure day for me. I really enjoy working on Sundays. I think because I have so much agency over my time during the week, it is really nice to have that time when I can just sit down and focus. It feels quite luxurious, as crazy as that might sound. And so Sundays, it's podcast day and planning for the week ahead and also any miscellaneous mop up. I find it really rewarding to be able to sit down, do a piece of work and then think about my week ahead, how I want it to look, what I need to get done and make sure that any of the open loops or loose ends from the week that's just been have been closed up. And that's 24 hours. That is everything that is a part of my business accounted for. Everything that is important to me business wise accounted for in that calendar setup. The other thing I really want to say here that is really, really important is I also give myself some grace, right? So stuff can crop up that means that I'm doing the podcast on a Friday or I have to sort my accounts on a Sunday or whatever. And sometimes I've got, you know, a big deadline and it means that I'm spending my whole week working on something in particular. Um, You know, there will be weeks when I do less social media because I just don't have enough time on a Friday to dedicate to it. And, And that's cool. I do give myself some grace. 
But my anchor, my business homeostasis is that weekly chunked up plan. And that means that everything I value in my business, including my own development and building relationships with people, is given the time that it deserves. One last thing before I wrap up, I was asked how you can stop leaving things to the last minute, you know, getting a better handle on your time management. But if you are the kind of person who does always leave things to the last minute, ask yourself very honestly, do you actually need a deadline and a fire under you to get things done? Because maybe you do. That's where the micro deadlines can really help. It's really okay if you are the kind of person that needs to leave the last little bit to the last minute. That's cool. I actually never completely finish something until it's due. I really like a deadline and that's why micro deadlines appeal to me so much. So if you need a deadline, that's absolutely fine. If you need to leave things to the last minute, just make sure you're giving yourself enough research, planning and thinking time too. So that for me is when the big work is being done. The sitting down and actually doing it, that's just the iceberg. So put yourself in the best position for success and the best result from that last minute sprint by investing in your research, planning, thinking and imagining ahead of time. And then if you need a deadline, if you need to leave it to the last minute, do leave the, leave the last little bit to the last minute. That's cool. Just know who you are and know what works for you. Okay, so I've covered quite a lot in quite a short amount of time. So I just want to recap on some of the key points that I made. Time is currency. Spend it wisely. Time is a success metric. Time without focus or presence is time wasted. To maximize time, get out of your own way. Stop waiting for perfect conditions and don't try to eat the whole cake in one sitting. And to conserve your time, protect your peak period, be ruthless with your diary, audit it, chunk it up, and also experiment with micro deadlines. That's all for the episode, Rewriters. If you have any time maximizing or conserving tips, I would love to hear them. Get in touch with me, drop me an email, drop me a DM, or share on social and tag me in the Rewriters or hashtag the Rewriters pod. Don't forget to spread the Rewriters love and keep writing your story on your terms. See you later. The Rewriters is produced, written and presented by Monique Shaw, original artwork by Kiana Perry and original music by DJ Cinnamon.